clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ots Tyrion. We are here to talk about the intersection of horror and pop culture and movies and politics and every other thing. I am your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And I am your other co-host, Sam Weinman. And we are, we're going into a a rarely tread upon year in the Ots Tyrion catalog. We don't touch this one. We Not on purpose. We apparently don't. We apparently <laughs> don't. It's it's the year 2008. The only time we have talked about a movie from 2008 previously was Repo, the genetic opera, which is it's such an outlier. Like it's it's like it's aughts very much in the context of Paris Hilton. But in in many ways, it kind of feels like a satellite out in space. Like it's such its own beast that it it feels weird to sort of it, it, it feels exceptional sort of pinpointed in all the things that we talk about. But this this movie movie. What are we talking about today, Sam, that is bringing us back to 2008? We are here to talk about The Ruins, which is Ruins. Uh, directed by uh, queer horror director Carter Smith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's kind of a, I would say it's a bit of a deep cut. It's, it's not like so indie, but like in the conversation about 2000s horror it, given that so many of these movies we discussed were maligned at the time this was a movie that was reviewed poorly that was also not out the gate as big as one of the remakes as big as something from uh you know dark castle productions this was just an honest to god you know based on a book but like otherwise like original like new story that appears with, you know, some of the notes that we hit in this era. We've got the the cute ensemble cast that feels like pulled straight out of the WB kind of situation. We've got Ott's beats in it, but I feel like it doesn't often come up in the conversation really ever well, alongside like your 13 ghosts and your house of waxes and your hitchers and such. This is really comparable to Sorority Row in that I think this film, The Ruins, had a huge advertising campaign. And I mm. just don't think people showed up because the ones who did just didn't react the way that maybe they should have. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I think that, and also a, a common theme I find with the ruins is people thinking that they've seen it, but they haven't. Interesting. And okay. I, I think that speaks to the prevalence of the trailer. Right. And, and see, I have like no recognition of this movie in my mind. Like I knew, like I started being aware of it in the past couple of years. And I was like, that's one I don't know. And then finally saw it at the New Beverly when we went to a marathon there last year. And they played it. I was like, oh, I'm finally going to watch The Ruins. But I have no memory of this movie coming out at the time. A hundred percent. And I, and by the way, I love that you didn't because I think the trailer gave too much away. And that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the gaggiest moments were in it. But I think the biggest thing about The Ruins in the year that it landed is mm-hmm. just that it was misunderstood. And I mm-hmm. know that that's mm-hmm. a theme on here because that's what we do. We're we're going yeah, that's back what we and do. taking a look at horror that that just wasn't understood. But this one is, I feel like, much more cut and dry than some of our other ones. Like, I'll be on here and I'm like, listen, I know who killed me. Misunderstood, right? And you guys Completely. have to buckle up for a journey. The ruins is much this more. This is cut truly and dry. confusing for it's it's truly a sense of wait, what were you looking for that you didn't get? Like, what right. I don't get what you showed up for that this movie didn't provide even like I feel like when I was reading excerpts of the reviews to you after we watched it together, 
aspects we're noting like like hollow empty gore when like yes a the gore is extremely well done in this movie and b it's not as though this movie arrived in a context where that was unprecedented was it was it like gore burnout because we're a couple years removed from like the installation of of extreme american violence like jordan those reviews you were reading me felt like reviews of horror movies from the 2000s like the reviews felt like they were but but what I mean is it felt like they were reviewing the decade, not the film The Ruins. Which I think is a is a persistent issue with the movies that we talk about on this podcast. They feel like they are critiquing the mores of the era and not the actual successful success or failures of the films within what those films were trying to accomplish. It plagued and, that era of movies. It's kind of crazy how consistent it was. And one of those critiques that you read, it was like, uh, well, this is what happens when you give a director who's only done a Tommy Hilfiger ad uh, yes a feature film and and just to throw this out there he had done a hugely successful queer horror short called bug crush in 2006 mm. which was okay not a feature but it's 36 minutes long might as well be oh. an episode oh, of tv on. and also yeah. just to odds this up he did an s club 7 video for a song called reach <laughs> i mean look, wow. this is not, not a guy even, not even dream come true he wasn't plucked from nowhere and also yeah, not nowhere and watching it you cannot deny, at least looking at it in 2022, that his directing skills were incredible. It's the bottom line is, is this movie is just straight up, cut and dry, really good. It's scary. It's shocking. You and- like Jenna Malone is the worst, but like you, yeah. you get a sense of the dynamic immediately. Like I feel like we. We get the sense that these characters have a life that they lived before this movie. I don't feel like we're just dropped into these cardboard cutouts. Like the 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 surrounding like menace around the pyramid when they're on top of it with the indigenous people who are sort of the the centuries of this of this terrifying tower. Like and and the plants themselves that are the vil- the villainous ivy that covers this pyramid. Like it all works. I, I don't actually know fuck off like i don't actually get it's this is such a weird one to do almost now because i'm like wait what am i even defending here this is so apparently good what here's what was also fun in the screening that we saw it and at the new beverly people were yeah. going bananas for it and they didn't they, yeah. and most people hadn't seen it they mm-hmm. everybody like most people were experiencing it for the first time and mm-hmm. living for it and not in an ironic like oh no. here's an old film it's kind of crazy way it was like legitimately holds up so here's my theory Right. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, Amy, played by Jenna Malone, is completely unlikable. Right. One we, of the most unlikable characters I have ever experienced she in a is film ever. The One of the most unlikable characters wearing the most unlikable pair of glasses, making the most <laughs> yeah. unlikable decisions with yep. the uh, most unlikable tone of voice. Top, <laughs> right. Top to Just, bottom. There, there isn't anything she does that we can root for. And no. she in this film is our, for lack of a better word, final girl. And so when she you is. Lo- I think what audiences expected was that meant the movie was siding with her as a hero in the way mm-hmm. that like, say if you watch Jurassic Park, I'm a Jurassic Park fan and <laughs> the Jurassic world films center around Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt being heroes, mm-hmm. even though they make completely unethical decisions. And so as an <laughs> yeah. audience member, I'm like, wow, this is horrible. These people are completely unlikable. And the mm-hmm. movie doesn't know it, right? <laughs> in this case, the movie does know it. That is then what the movie I'm totally knows it. As the movie is forward. not siding with Jenna Malone. In what I think 
you know, in films of its time, like Hostel and Teristas, which came out before mm-hmm. this, those films right. are... Right. Teristas is absolutely a companion piece to this movie. They robbed us. We have no money. We have no way out of here. It's not good for you in town. Hello? Who are these people? Those films, which are a, they're a direct response to 9-11 and the xenophobia that Americans were feeling... Right. And they're playing into that. I think the ruins is a response to the xenophobia itself mm-hmm. and the films that fan those flames. I think <laughs> like maybe I'm going out way too far here. I but don't think I so. Think, I don't think so. I think the ruins is responding to that garbage in in a, in a horror world that mm-hmm. is exhausted. Mm-hmm. It is. No, not, not to say that those things are just garbage flat out. No, I just no, mean no. I, um, I think to it's- those in the way to that, seeing those people as heroes. Yeah. And in the way that, you know, peaks of the aughts are like, you know, as we've discussed, 05 and 07. And 2009 is this clear doorway time into a new decade. 2008 is kind of a no man's land in that way. Yes. Like, it's not like by the time Nightmare on Elm Street remake gets here with, with Rooney Mara and Kyle Gallner, we are we know we're burnt out. We know yes. we are we are on an empty gas tank. We we understand that. 2009, we're planting the seeds for like future impossibility. We have a revolutionary piece like Jennifer's Body. We have something that is just purely embracing the fun and sicko attitude of the era, like in Sorority Row. But 2008 feels like it's not a girl, not yet a woman. Like it's it's not Great the reference. it's 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 not it, the 2000s novelty has worn off. The excess like kind of can't get bigger than it's already been so you can't top it and like and yet we're still so engineered for ip i think the idea of something that doesn't have a name previously attached to it is still kind of like alienating in a way and so we have this other you know right before we started recording we talked about other movies that came out in this year the the fucking prom night remake is one of them and you want to talk about a nadir of remake culture in the 2000s that just absolutely bloodless bullshit gave nothing back from the the franchise from whence it came the april fool's day remake came out that year who's fucking talking about that movie like that's out of the conversation and let and let's keep it that way (laughs) and then but elsewhere you have uh quarantine you have the remake of wreck you have crucially let the right one in which i Mm -hmm. very much consider the antecedent to the entire like art house horror boom that that we exist in now and so you Pawnee have Pool. these what was that Pawnee Pool, an Pawnee incredible Pool. original I Canadian will... zombie movie so Pawnee Pool and Let the Right One In both being non-American films mm-hmm. I think is crucial to this conversation yeah and but yeah and the yeah like we are starting I feel like there's a a sort of import culture that I think is being cultivated around that time like obviously we're watching new french extremity films in this era but i feel like we're starting to get this trickling of things from abroad too that are showing us another way that are showing us other options and the ruins is just kind of in out to sea in the midst of all this without it's too close to the things that everybody's tired of but not quite the things that people see as new now fresh and so it doesn't it is it is without a nation it is a it is a movie without a state and so it, it is kind of judged unfairly for being too much like the remake boom and like the Michael Bayization of horror, but it doesn't have the cred to be like a Pawnee Pool or a Let the Right One In. So instead it just gets like falls through the track cracks and people don't know how to consider it 
accurately. Two things. One, because this is an $8 million film, by the way, which is a big deal for a movie of this size in this time. This Mm -hmm. is still like mid-budget level, not Mm -hmm. so low that something like you know, the birth of the, like something like the, like the early Blumhouse films, which were like all 1.5 to $2 yeah. million each. So just to put it in perspective, but what I want to say is this not yet a girl or not a girl, not yet a woman reference is mm-hmm. so appropriate. <laughs> and not just from a horror perspective, but the changing world that the U.S. was in at the time. Oh, because absolutely. Oh, wait, 2008. This is this is George Bush's George W. Bush's eighth year in office. Mm-hmm. We have now all lived through the Disney Channel telling us about Freedom Fries. The flag means everything to me. It means life. It means freedom. It also means unity, and it means love. You see American flags everywhere, and it just it reminds you, but it also makes you really proud. I spent my whole life pledging allegiance, and I don't think I can ever look at a flag the same way. The flag stands. We are we are all questioning the validity of the war that we've been in the entire time he's been in office. We and are as a in country, the midst of the in the hope yes we can campaign from Barack Obama. And so and also as Californians in the midst of um, the Prop Eight campaign, mm-hmm. which shows this changing world. Because here you know interestingly when Obama is elected in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. um, Prop Eight is also passed, which sustains uh, banning same-sex marriage like mm-hmm. it like basically it's so california the most liberal state in the country is like nope not gay people like yes obama yeah. but not gay people so just to show like this changing world there's not a girl not yet a woman world this is like politically and culturally this is where we still are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like and and you can see it in something like where openly gay director carter smith is directing something like the ruins and he's sex and love this love this you know, it, while it's not, there are no queer coded characters, mm-hmm. the camera itself really sexualizes the men mm-hmm. on screen in mm-hmm. a way that is delightful and a little unexpected, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's this era where to be queer has to be extremely queer coded mm-hmm. or to exist in other ways, like the lens in which we view something through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas overseas, we're getting let the right one in, which is mm-hmm. like queer the house down. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like uh queer yes. kids on a playground in the snow. Okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> But here in the US it, it it it's different. It is and it it is it is interesting to watch this movie in, in knowing how maligned its violence was when oh, I Oh god, what? I feel like you know, obviously, there's there's a extravagant level of of practical effects gore that's going on in movies like The Collector in the Collection, Hostel Saw, et cetera, et cetera. Those those kinds of movies that that coterie of films, but this one, like, I find the violence in this movie to be so much more tangible and upsetting in how it like actually feels like intimately horrible, like carnage in a way that Every it doesn't feel moment. like it's meant. It doesn't feel like it's meant for, like, extravagance or hyperbole. It feels like it is just mean and meant to make you feel as bad as possible. Not in a sense of, like, oh, shit, did you see that? But, like, I think I'm going to pass out. Like, this is so horrible kind of way. I think being an American in 2008 is a precarious position to be in, right? Because, (laughs) yes, I don't know. I remember I was traveling internationally around that time and... It was like to be American was a violence. 
Um, yeah. No matter where you go, the rest of the world fucking hates you, right? And mm-hmm. and at the time, I think being in that perspective, like it, it's like you are upsetting the world around you, right? <laughs> and from an American perspective, it's like the world around you is the villain, I guess, mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like looking at this film, like the cues that it gives you in the beginning, that it's not going to be, that it's going to be actually commenting on that violence itself mm-hmm. is like, just think about the opening when all of the, the when they're, the, op- the opening of this, by the way, okay, let me back up. Bunch of cute guys and girls go on vacation um, to a uh, to a, a Mexican vacation where they go to like what is assumed to be like an all inclusive yeah. kind of resort, and at the pool deck of this resort, they are kind of like saying all of the annoying things that Amer- totally. like they're talking about like don't drink the don't have a margarita because it's made with ice and the local yeah. water it's bad and you can't yeah. have it unless it's bottled and yeah. it's like that conversation that specific kind of privilege mm-hmm. that specifically American like conversation is mm-hmm. like. Oh, the movie knows. Well, which and of course escalates into Jonathan Tucker's outburst of We're being quarantined here. We are being kept here to die. This doesn't happen. Four Americans on a vacation don't just disappear. Yes, the thesis statement of the movie. Yeah, like he outright, like when they're like, who's going to come for us? Who's going to find us? How You can't fucking say anybody's going to help us. That's b- ridiculous. You're just making shit up. And he just starts panicking and he's like. Our parents. The Greeks. Somebody, somebody is going to find us. We just have to be alive when they do. Jonathan Tucker's character, Jeff, Dr. Jeff, he is in an impossible situation. He is the most, like, intelligent, even-keeled. He's pre-med, so he has, like, a set of survival skills that is very useful to the group. It is sort of on him to make every decision at every turn for the best of everybody. And so he is the one who has to receive everyone's lashing out when something goes wrong because they're like what the fuck Jeff and Jeff's just kind of doing his best and that's really the only moment in the entire movie that he's a little prick here's here's who Jeff is everybody's like staying out like getting drunk yeah Jeff he's got to go to bed at 8 because he's going to run down the beach in the morning yeah for miles. he's going to get up at like 6am right? and go for a because beach run it doesn't matter that he's on vacation guys Jeff just got just got to work out yeah you and, can set Jeff like, you can set your watch by Jeff Jeff, Jeff is a rock. Uh, like, I refer to my boyfriend as a logic rock. Jeff mm-hmm. is a logic rock. Like, that's, <laughs> that is unfortunately his role in this group. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it comes into play in an interesting way. Because mm-hmm. when we meet all everybody else at this poolside thing, we also meet, is it Matthias? Matthias, Mat- right? Matthias. Matthias. Okay. So Matthias is like set up exactly like every foreigner who's going to lure a bunch of Americans into a death trap in hostel. Right. Yeah. Like he comes in and he's like, saw it in hostel, saw it in Midsommar. Yes. Yes. He is every foreigner. He's got, he's got his accent. He's like kind of hot. Yeah. He knows a place that's not on any map, but he's going to show you. He's not like, he's not like, like, of like threateningly masculine, but he's not like effeminate either. Like he's, Mm -mm. he's safe and handsome. And probably and, smart and worldly because he's not American. And the way that he's presented is constantly like something might be wrong. Like <laughs> Jeff comes up to him later. So he invites them to go to this um, Mayan temple because he knows uh, 
a friend of his or his brother or somebody his was brother. on an excursion. His brother, right, is is there and they've uncovered this thing and he's mm-hmm. like, come come check it out, right? Yeah. And so in the morning, Jeff like it jogs by on his run, which by the way, like somebody's passed out in the sand. Is this girlfriend or his friend? His girlfriend, right? I don't no, know. it's that's just strangers. His girlfriend's oh, in strangers. bed hungover and then Sean Ashmore's pressuring Laura Ransby to give him a blowjob in their hotel room. Oh, that's right. That's just that's random right. people. Oh, okay, cool. So, because it got um, wow, lit you guys... on the beach that night, and everybody was around the bonfire being hammered. I, I've seen this movie twice in about a month span, and I'm acting like I've never seen it before. Uh, okay, <laughs> that so, makes sense. But but Jeff runs up to Matthias and his buddy, who are like, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And mm. it's like the way he said, like approaches them is like mm-hmm. something maybe around, and he's just like, "We're making a copy of the map to give our friends." Mm-hmm. Like even the way the film presents it is like. Is there something else going on here? Right. Does Matthias know something as the foreigner that these Americans don't? Yeah. Is he the untrustworthy foreigner? Apparently, it's not even in the guidebooks. VIP only. Yeah. See, Jeff, that's something I would do. Oh, yeah? Yes. And the most egregious thing that happens... It, well, okay, so actually, hold on. The most egregious thing that happens is Amy decides to go on this fucking jungle hike in flip-flops. Yeah. Oh, my God. In, like, jeans and flip-flops. And, and fucking Stacy is in all is in white. She's Stacey worn Stacy wears white, white to the jungle. To the jungle hike. To the hike. jungle. I A perfectly not. entitled American ensemble to wear to the jungle hike. And they get there, and Amy even brings up her flip-flops as if it wasn't her choice, her decision as if it to wasn't leave her the choice. house in them. Like as, if it w- as if everyone should have expected this and planned around it. Hello? Can you hear me now? It's not funny, Eric. It's like a 20-mile hike I'm going to do in flip-flops. 11. It's a little funny. Like, she thought they were going to Mayan Temple Putt-Putt? What was this? <laughs> you know? Like, Legends of the Hidden Temple? I don't know what, what Amy <laughs> thought she was signing up for, but she is mm-hmm. surprised when they get off of that truck into the jungle. But yeah. the thing that, 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 makes, that really puts the pin in Amy for me, like, this is where it's like, this is the character you're going to follow is when Amy decides to take pictures of poor children in the village. Oh my God. Because Amy, Amy's doing poverty tourism for sure. She's on one knee because she (laughs) found a real authentic moment. Yeah. I mean, it is like, she found something pre Instagram this. And and yet she is telling a truth. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. She is a kind of person that we all know. Yep. And so it's like, seeing her do that and having specifically when they get to this temple mm-hmm. and like all the locals are yelling at them mm-hmm. to get away from this temple and they're all like, oh, wh- hold up. Right. Yeah. Amy takes a step back to take a picture of the people yelling at them. Yeah. The pe- <laughs> uh, the people who are aggressing upon them who may or may not have weapons brandished at that point. And Amy's like, I'm going to take a snapshot in Has this to. moment of Cannot these people herself. who are, Already incredibly fired up about us. Amy cannot control her finger. It's click. No. I couldn't, but I can't. When you, I get it. Now, so I get it. Audiences yeah. who may have misunderstood what right. this movie thought of Amy, I can see them being misdirecting their anger. But in this moment, as somebody <laughs> yeah. who knows, I'm like, yes. Okay, Amy, let's go. Amy takes a step back onto a bunch of vines. At, mm-hmm. at which point, that's the problem, right? Because we are yeah. to discover that that it's not actually the ruins that are yeah. the villain of this film. It's these carnivorous plants who are kind of intelligent. Yeah. And by stepping on these plants, that is the beginning of the end for this little group, this little uh, troop of Americans and one German. <laughs> and well, two tr- Germans, but one gets shot. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, he, yeah, he gets dispatched with immediately. And it, 
I think it, you know, I think one of the things that was being pointed out as well as, as like a pejorative in the reviews was how like, like it's, it is in its way, a group of friends that hate each other, not to the extent of like cry wolf, but like, it is a group of friends where there is like acrimony running through. And that's like a feature of the film. But I think one of the things that it works with a rare kind of functionality in this movie, because the paranoia is part of the story. Like the plants are effectively turning these friends against one another. So I think there becomes actually in something that can exist as like a silly trope of the era, I think actually becomes a very useful story element in the ruins Yes, and is done to great effect because the unraveling of this group is an extremely tense and effective descent into like personality madness throughout the course of this film. Within that is so well said, friend. I love the idea that plants are turning these people against each other. And yeah. also, I want to be specific. They're turning these straight couples against each other because yeah. I, watching this, I was like, oh my God, these these straight couples are real. <laughs> yeah. These straight couples. I have been to a wedding reception and sat at you a know table these couples. with all of them. Yes. Yeah. They are they are archetypes. As far as yeah. I'm concerned, they are they are real life archetypes. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, there are four kinds of straight people in the world, and you just all you have to do is pick which member of this team. They are. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but Amy in her cowboy in her straw cowboy hat. I just want to turn point out. Oh, yeah. By the way, flip flops and, and a straw cowboy hat. Those straw cowboy hats were really in in the odds. Oh, totally. Even well, though her Sean eyeglasses Ashmore certainly is wearing weren't. Sean Ashmore is wearing cargo shorts. The, the size heaviest. of a circus tent, just absolutely the, the, defeating the purpose of what shorts would ever need to be for by how huge they are. It, what's in the pockets? A generator? Right. <laughs> they don't, you don't need a backpack if you have pockets so much like that. Room. And what's, what's fucking wild about the odds, and we don't talk about this enough, mm. the defying gravity of men's shorts like they are the unbelievable they are the longest heaviest shorts mm-hmm. and no belt that works yeah well because women like, took all the belts sag. women they took, took all the belts they took all they're the belts wearing them on their necks their wrists the five around their waist but not <laughs> holding up their pants yep and it's like but then the men it, okay look if, if they even have a belt mm-hmm. the belt is like it's still sagged below their butt but somehow yep. holding itself up on the the base of their dick yeah like it's I, crazy the, it's the crazy. fucking guys i don't know i i can't imagine this ever coming back but like men could not run in the aughts and i and there are not enough deaths by pants in horror <laughs> movies <laughs> in the 2000s because that is exactly what would have happened yeah the, it, it you know sh- boxer shorts and gigantic cargo and gigantic cargos that was and, that was your your below the waist order of the day so, you know, this group's out here trying to reason with these people, which I love multiple times it comes up. Like, I don't think they speak Spanish. Right. Yeah. Because, but the assumption that they know how to communicate is A+. plus. Yeah. So, they seem to be, the those guarding the temple seem to be speaking an indigenous language that is that is not Spanish. Mathisa's really hot friend is like, I, he, does he try to reason with them? Or what does he do that he takes a step forward? I think, I, I but, think he's just trying to like, yeah, like reason yes. with them, relate to like, them. And they shoot and him squarely what, in the head. Well... First, they shoot him with an arrow. And this is the kind of, this is why I love this, is because this is the kind of violence this movie is incredible at. Mm -hmm. So this dude gets shot with an arrow and Mm -hmm. looks at it, and we're looking at it, and it is horrific. And we're like, oh my God, You're fucking stunned. You're not ready for this yet. Could not get any worse. Bam, he's shot in the head down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, 
first arrow and just when you think and it's like Mm -hmm. nope here we go and carter smith makes a promise to you as an audience (laughs) that this is what this trip is going to be well and we lose and matthias sustains his mortal injury basically immediately after that they have to lower him down because they they think they might be able to get a cell phone down inside the base of the pyramid so they lower him down on a like a pulley but the rope snaps he falls and breaks his back and because they they hear this is like the fun little detail they yeah they this think is a great hear, detail you know they come up to the top of the so they climb they have to climb up because these people are like basically they're pointing their weapons at them so they have to get to the top when they get to the top and they're like where the fuck is everybody they hear their cell phone mm-hmm. but going one of their cell phones but going off inside the temple and it's like well we got to go in love this detail just love this detail about the most unlikable because okay we've we've given Jenna Malone's character which by the way excellently acted by Jenna Malone we've given this Amy is, this a lot is a of shit. This is a movie of tremendous performances. Everyone These is doing some of their best ever work one. in this movie. Peak everyone. Yeah, because they Jonathan are, Tucker, they're, Laura Ramsey, Jenna Malone, Sean Ashmore, outstanding. Actually, all of them. At the same time as they are delivering, like they're they're you see them doing their best. They're both annoying, but also. Like, they do tug on your heartstrings a little at times. Yeah. And that is to speak to the strength of the actors. Yeah. So, okay, they're going to lower in. Because, by the way, Amy, immediately, they're like, hey, we got to lower somebody in there. And they look at her friend. and Because Amy, Amy's like, not me. No. I no, wore flip-flops. not it. Absolutely. Absolutely refuse. We're going to check the rest of the rope and make sure it's secure. And then one of you- Why do we have to go? Why, why can't you or Eric? Because you're not strong enough immediately Amy's out. So Stacy's the one that's got to go. Yeah, and she's like, thank you so much, Stacy." It's like, you just threw your friend into hell. Like, you were just like, mm, like couldn't be me. Thank you so much, Stace. Because Matthias is down in the bottom, legs broken, and they've mm-hmm. got to, like, rescue back, him. So Back cracked in half. So she gets down there. It's not looking good. And, there, and not- she still has, like, 10 feet to go. And the friends are like, hey, can you jump from there? Mm-hmm. Stacy, who has obviously never, never been like me, rock climbing in a gym and jumped from a 10 foot height and broke my foot. <laughs> Stacy's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and jumps onto the stone flat floor yeah. of a Mayan temple. And significantly <laughs> wounds her knee. I don't know how, I don't know how Jenna gets down there unscathed, but she does. Of course she of does. Course she she's, does. she's Amy. She's not going anywhere. She, she's Amy. Because that's then, the friend that doesn't get hurt. <laughs> it is the friend that doesn't get hurt because that friend ensures it. But it, and then they get to and like just in the the way this movie does like body pain and horror is so good because they get down to as if it wasn't enough what happened to Matthias already. They lower like they've built a stretcher. They lower it down, but it can't get all the way to the bottom. So they have they had to send the small girls down so the strong men could lift them back up with the pulley mm-hmm. which means the small girls have to now pick up the grown man whose back is broken and put him on a stretcher to lift him up and they're like we can't move him his back's broken they're like well we have to that's why we're down here we have to get him up there and they're like lift from the hips no lift from the ankles and they're trying to assess how they can best how they can possibly lift Matias and not snap him in half and they fail. They fucking and drop Matias onto the one, stone again. One look at Amy in that baby doll shirt. Oh God. And you're like, you're like, yeah, she's going to drop him. And you know what? You're right. <laughs> you are and, right. And it's going to have all the sound of a person whose body is just in shambles inside. Three. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it shambles. It's like and a it, crack oh. splat. It is. They they get him up, but that's not the last time we're gonna see the interior of the cave with a Mm-mm. a suspense piece that is absolutely outstanding. Because the two of them are left down there while they're pulling Matias up, and it's like, there goes the cell phone. Yeah. Ring. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it must be through this hole that's covered mm-hmm. in plants that live in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got to climb in. We've got to climb it. This movie, by the way, moving at breakneck speed, which I love. There was like there was some review that said something about like it takes forever to get going and then it doesn't Camp- pay off. It's like, are you fucking serious? Did you even this watch movie the puts ruins? A cinder block on the gas pedal and then just abandon ship. Oh my god! Yes, it. <laughs> they because think about it. This guy's like Matthias Splat. Uh, yeah. Stacy, uh, splat part two. Jenna yeah. Malone down there. They load him up. Crack. They're going up. Now they're going yeah. into a dark room with a cell phone mm-hmm. ringing. And by the way, they get in there, and it's and a fucking corpse is yeah, sitting there's there. A, there's corp corpses inside the vines. And People have it been is incredible dying. Incredible movement. Like the plants move the corpse in a way that makes it seem like it's a zombie for a second. Mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm. that detail. And the, and they move with like a fluidity that they're almost like anemone. They're almost like floating mm-hmm. anemone that is just very spooky. And that's and they when have they these realize, red fleshy flowers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that almost look like skin. Like when in the light, when you hold it up, you can see the blood like coursing through them, basically. Mm-hmm. And which that's it is when, blood because yeah. they're because they're human eating. Mm-hmm. But each one, each one of those little flowers is vibrating. As it's reproducing the sound mm-hmm. of the cell phone, which they pick up mm-hmm. and it's cracked and broken mm-hmm. and doesn't work. <laughs> and that is when they that is when they learn that they are that they are around a sentient plant, a sentient uh, vine that means them harm. And the process of realization of everybody coming to understand that that is what is happening is so fucking good in this movie like when you watch each person realize like when you have that moment where jonathan tucker's like they don't want us to spread it that's why they won't let us leave they're salting the soil (laughs) to keep it contained and that mm-hmm. moment, even though you already know what's going on, feels almost brand new in what a horrible realization you understand it is for the yes. rest of the characters. It's fantastic. When the two of them get onto that stretcher thing and start getting lifted out, and we see the plants moving in a way that it feels like they're be- they're going to completely grab them. Yeah. Like just being consumed. It's om- like the plants get bigger, almost like they're reaching out and on the way up. Yeah. It is like unbelievably stressful and suspenseful and so well-directed. Pulling so them well out, directed. I, I, it is rare that a movie has suspense that strong for me. A horror movie, like, like when mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if they're gonna make it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and um, it sets the stakes so it sets sets the stakes so immediately. The like, yeah, like the people we lose first are kind of the comparatively the red shirts, but you still feel like at any given time someone could drop dead. Right. Like, and, we're and, not still entirely sure who our leads are, right? Because no, all four we of them are pretty well balanced. And Jenna's so horrible, you're sure she can't be the There's one. There's no way. You're I sure. I can't believe. You're watching and you're like, did she just make it out of that chimney? No way. The <laughs> no plants way. didn't grab her hand? Like, they grabbed the torch? Why not Jenna Malone? Uh-huh. Yeah, why not Amy? Get Amy the fuck out of here. Have Amy as but an no. entree. There she is. And guess what? Amy's really upset, guys, and she needs to be consoled. 
<laughs> by Stacy's boyfriend. I by Stacy's boyfriend. By Stacy's boyfriend. <laughs> the only the only remotely interesting thing in this movie to me sexually is when it seems like Stacy and Amy might make out. Oh, I do love that. When they're they're having their spooning moment in the tent and the only person that Jenna like shows actual affection or sympathy toward is is the only person Amy shows that toward is Stacy and you're like, well, Stacy's the exception, so they're clearly a couple here actually. And this is just the 2000s, which is why they can't really be together. I, I there's this sense of Amy Amy has like all of the boldness of a cis white woman, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. And and her magic She's such power. A Karen. She just makes she can make anything bad worse. <laughs> yeah. And and I I do. Yeah, you're right. She's like to to put it, I mean she really is 2 seconds away from calling the manager of yep. the temple. Of to the report temple. what's going on. It's like, can I talk to she somebody about this? She will manifest a manager if one doesn't exist. I don't want us to get shot, Aim. I want you fucking Absolutely. And so it's like, when you see Amy begin to unravel she almost never like or sorry when, when you see everybody else begin to unravel there's something yes. special that happens to amy she doesn't <laughs> yeah. everybody else around her is coming apart but amy this is her this is kind of where she thrives i think mm-hmm. she thrives mm-hmm. in like well shit sucks and i'm gonna vocalize it you know and it's like <laughs> finally everything's as miserable as i am all of the time yes and so let's go into the tent. Like they're they're telling them what they saw, and I think the guys are like kind of in disbelief. But what happens inside the tent, I think, is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, you see the plants and the subtle movement of them silhouetted mm-hmm. outside of the orange tent. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the whole movie, by the way, it looks like the movie's wearing a pair of sunglasses. I love yes. that. It's still yeah. the odds aesthetic where it's like. Yes, we. It, it is a product of its generation. Yeah, it looks like it, the landscape looks irradiated. It is so saturated. <laughs> I love it. Like, the blacks are so steep in the shadows on people's faces. You, like, can't see people's eyes at points because Mm -hmm. their brows are shadowing their actual eyeballs. And what happens inside this tent, friends, is the saddest handjob in the history of cinema. Wow. It is the saddest. It is so We go from Amy spooning Stacy to comfort her. Beautiful. Beautiful. Flips over. Flips over because Sean Ashmore enters. And by yeah. the way, Amy, we see her in this wide shot. She's jealous. <laughs> and she, yeah, she's a, she's awake. She is she's awake like, and she shit. hates it. She yeah. hates it because somebody's having fun and she's not. And <laughs> what I love about this hand job, and I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> but it's, it is the kind of hand it is the kind of hand job that makes sex not sexy. Mm. It is like Yeah, I didn't feel moved by it. it. Is I was like, hmm, I can go without. To- Two people trying to grasp at any kind of relief or comfort they can. God. And it is almost enough to make me cry watching that scene. <laughs> oh I, I, I have never I seen. you. Anytime we see sexual horror, it's always, it's just an issue of consent. It yeah. is so cool to see a movie take sex and make it horrific in a new way. <laughs> I, I, I think it's an iconic scene. It is, I mean, if he's not, but, like, the scene is such that I feel like Sean Ashmore's character is crying when it's happening. He's not, 
but he kind of might as well be for the emotional tone of the scene. It does feel like it. Yeah. And, and so, it's just like all Amy can, all Stacy can do in that moment is that. It's like her only idea. And he's just like hopeless and like bereft, but being being jacked off by his girlfriend with Amy so watching. In, yes. And I love, by the way, I, I, I love that of all the things for Amy to be brave about, it was that one hole inside the temple. She's like, I'm going in. Yeah, by the way, when they're down there, well, when Stacey and Amy are down in the hole inside the temple, she's like, we have to go to that phone. I'm leading the charge. It's the one time she is brave. But guess where she's not brave? When Stacy wakes up in the morning and there's plants coming at her wound. That, like, <laughs> the, the vicious plants, I think, are fantastic in this movie. But then they're we so get the additional detail that when you touch the plants and if you're wounded, they will seed inside of your open like injuries like and little start plant worms and start growing the vines will start to grow inside of you and oh, we see this in, so in matthias good. in how like his his broken legs get just stripped stripped clean meat off the bones they ate it by all these vines. <laughs> they ate it all leading us to the incredible decision by jeff to amputate oh the legs oh and cauterize them. Jordan. Which is I... <laughs> completely neutralized like one scene later when the vines come from. I mean, it is an excruciating, like we are watching bones break. <laughs> we are watching tendons be sliced. We are watching Jeff heat a cast iron and press it against skin to shut the wounds. Like he's cooking this man's body. And then, like, one Jeff, a med later, student. Med student. Like, I love that. The girls that. are in the tent covering each other's ears. Sean Ashmore looks like he's just going to fucking die and explode. Matthias is screaming. He's screaming because, viciously the entire and, time. And Jeff is insisting with his adorable lisp that Ma- Matthias can't actually feel it. It's just his natural response to seeing the horror of what's yeah, happening. Which, which, by the way, that was my, complete, my response. Complete fucking lie. Complete fucking lie to me. Yeah, I know like he felt that. He felt that that was not just like, oh, this is really horrific to watch. This was like, this is um, excruciating anesthesia free pain of my limbs being cut off my body. And so this happens. And then maybe one scene later, the plants come for Matthias and they pull him away and they eat him. And Sean Sean Ashmore has the incredible moment where he just dryly goes, well, thank God we cut his legs off. And it's like, thank God for that moment. Like, thank God this movie, this movie recognized everything that went on. It was like, don't worry, guys, we will speak to what just happened here. Like, there was a whole fucking fight about whether or not they should cut off his legs. And Matthias is like, do it. Just fucking do it. So then they do it. And all of their effort is immediately washed away. Uh, If you were... Somebody who rented the rated versus the unrated. I will also say the rated mm-hmm. version of that leg scene, still horrific. Yeah. I I find both the unrated to be, manages to be worse. I thought it couldn't get worse, but guess what? Yeah. It can. It, it can, can, and it did. It can. I it, rarely do I look away from a film. <laughs> Yeah, I have certain trigger points, and eyes are really the main one. But this one tests you. 
I and it really like this is I feel like this scene another thing that I have to praise about this movie this scene is like the case for aughts nihilism horror mm, in in a way yeah. that wasn't just like like writhing around in shittiness and um the the joys of bad people like an Eli Roth movie oh, you're right this movie is like no 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 this is hopelessness this is this is this guy Jeff who is just a guy doing his best making a decision he thinks is medically the most advisable to try and give Matthias buy as much time for him as it's like it's people doing the right thing and still it's not people making at this point they've made the wrong choice they're snobby americans and they've come to a place where they shouldn't but at this point jeff particularly is just trying to do right by everybody and even the guy whose legs he's cutting off and then it's like fuck you still like fuck that is true cruel mean gut punch nihilism horror not just like you know burning Bijou Phillips' eye out of her body and then cutting off and having it squirt pus. Like, this, this is truly fuck you horror. You know, it's funny you say that because, as you know, I interviewed Carter Smith and I asked about, I asked about the ruins and he talked about feeling out of control um, of your body and having that be like, Mm. is that because I'm out of, is it just this or is it also being isolated in this foreign place, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what he said is that he really just, there's something about watching people make decisions that they feel like are good decisions, but just go horribly wrong. You know, yes. they're not good at all. Yes. And I was like, and so I responded, I was like, like, Amy, what are you doing? And he goes, yeah, that plus I really wanted to like, you know, film an amputation. <laughs> <laughs> and Love that it. is where... That is where the joys of genre meet. And so, I, I think that, yeah, what are you going to say? No, I just, I what I love is that this movie does something that you and I both really appreciate, which is it it, it comments on, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's commenting on the era in which it exists, but also the ruins mm-hmm. just wants to see an amputation. Like it does both. Yes. It, it's smart about its commentary and it's an exploitation film. In some sense, mm-hmm. the violence is so that. absolutely, and, and 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 I think that the balancing act that the ruins does specifically in that arena is like amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think and I, it's I, a good way to close out that decade of that kind of film, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, I think too that it's hard. It's it's hard in the moment always to see the commentary on our present when something comes out and is doing that. Well said. Certain things, of course, transcend and are like, wow, this is so incisive. Like, like a fucking parasite, you know? Yes. And, but then, like, something like Don't Look Up is just so ham-fisted and kind of inside its own asshole that it's like, I get that you're commenting on the moment, but you're really fucking annoying about it. Mm-hmm. But we have, I feel like we are at least in a way trained for that as audiences now because there is we have we can incorporate our knowledge of like in genre like meta horror and things that talk to the audience like mm. a screen things talk very explicitly but also i think we've entered an era where there's an expectation on genre that it can be much more sophisticated than people incorrectly assumed that it could be who just saw it as one dimensional slock schlock um i think at this time though that is so out of step you know You're with right. something like get out catalyzing 
um, such a huge wave of genre cinema. That is a movie rooted in acknowledging your present circumstances. Yes. And commenting on them and making an incisive point about them. So that like kind of became, well, that's the gold standard. Movies should do that. You know, studios wanting their own get out. And any trailer that could, any movie that could have like a social commentary message about it, basically having a cut trailer that looks exactly like something Jordan Peele would make. Yes. Like obviously that drum beat continues to be hit. But in the 2000s, that was absolutely not something we were trained for. That was absolutely not something we were expecting. And I think it was a time of self, self-reflection, self of looking inward, being kind of discouraged. Because if we looked inward at who we were in that moment, what we saw looking back was fucking grotesque. So I think it wasn't exactly a time of holding up the mirror. So anything that did, this, Jennifer's body especially... And, and tried to do so at a gloss level. Like, Teeth is a different kind of story. Like, Teeth comes out around the same time as Jennifer's Body, but it's an independent film. This yeah. is something that looks like an MTV horror movie. This is something that looks like a House of Wax. This is a DreamWorks movie. The... <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so, like, there isn't that, there isn't that note of credibility or perhaps festival, movie festival love that comes for something like a Teeth where it can feel like an underground an underdog that triumphs it just feels like a studio picture that didn't get the memo that we are we shouldn't do this shit anymore because it's really tired when in fact it's playing more on a level of like what body and teeth are doing but Mm -hmm. we just we were too in our circumstances to i think be able to examine that at the time I, i think acutely so in the 2000s that kind of read was if not if not not endorsed actively discouraged yeah and when when we this brings me to actually one of what i think is one of the most beautiful and important moments in the film um which Mm -hmm. could be easily overlooked it's when you know somebody uh addresses amy i can't remember which character says it but they're like all you care about is your fucking self right which is true Mm -hmm. um yeah but at one point some for some reason amy is inspired to just get honest about how Mm -hmm. she wanted to fuck matthias or Matthias to yeah. her, to Jeff, and Jeff stops yeah, her. That that is an incredible scene. It's a quiet moment. It's the two of them sitting on the edge of like the top of the pyramid, just like kind of being real with the knowledge that they they're probably in their final moments together. And Jeff says to Amy, "Well, it, it, Jeff stops Amy from continuing mm-hmm. on, and he just says, "Would it matter to you?" He doesn't want to hear it because they're about to die, and he just wants to love her. While he can. Yep. Even okay. Amy. Even Amy. Mm-hmm. Even, even her. Amy. He looked at that baby doll dress, that straw cowboy hat, <laughs> those really weird glasses, and he said, Amy, would it matter to you? <laughs> and you know what? I, good on I Jeff. Love that I, I love that moment. I really love it. And again, like, Jeff is Jeff is a tremendous protagonist. I mean, and... and- well, just thinking that going connecting to what you were just talking about. I mean, because this is a move a moment where it's like acknowledging like once they realize just how deep the shit they're in is, there's not really mm-hmm. anything they can do about it. And I do also think that in this yeah. year, in this time as an American, mm-hmm. we were like so much wrong had been done that even acknowledging mm-hmm. that the war had been a farce was like mm-hmm. challenging for people. It's like, well, what do we do now? How do we even get? Well, them and it's out? it's we find that we find that playing out before us now, where it feels like so much of the recalcitrance from like the American right 
at least in part feels rooted in this i in this reality that mm. like no we've said it for too long you're right so we can't actually unsay it or acknowledge yeah. the truth of what's going on because we have staked our entire identity on this one thing oh my and God. if it's not true we aren't anything at all jordan if yes this doesn't define us if this lie doesn't define us they're gonna realize that we're fucking frauds and at the time like if we acknowledged the disgusting horror show of like the antecedent of the the war on terror and and what it had turned us into and what we became in the world then what are we even like you have obama coming in with sort of new vision of hope and but like there had to be a generational leader figure on the order a transformational figure on the order despite being a centrist of barack obama to bring us to a direction where we could feel better we could feel good enough about ourselves to say we have something to believe in so we can walk away from this thing that's been holding us hostage in fear this entire time well fucking said jordan i i can't wait to go back and listen to this episode and just listen to everything you're saying right now <laughs> i love this i'm like like talk me through this decade like yes <laughs> and the parallels are on, i know i just love you so much I love I'm so glad we're it's, doing this it's again. Such a I'm so pleasure. glad we're back. Well, to to veer away from the politics to just the pure horror of this one moment, I do want to share one moment that I think is just so exquisitely awful. Is it Amy? Please say it's Amy. Well, you know what? It, it, Amy's there. Okay. <laughs> but it's when Stacy is pulling the plan. Oh, that's what I mean. Stacy. Is it Stacy? Sorry. Okay. Laura Ramsey. Laura Ramsey. When Stacy is. My God, Sam. The Stacey. plants. Uh, two things happen because it's both cruel and awful to watch. So the plants inside it's of so Stacy, she's trying to cut them out of herself. So she gets some help, right? And Jeff, Jeff is like, all right, here we go. Jeff yep, cuts. Do it. By the way, Jeff, did you have to cut that deep? He's putting his whole hand in there. He's, he's got his whole he's, hand up her He's leg. in. He's in like knuckle deep I mean, into Stacy's leg. It's like Jeff. I know that you didn't. You haven't graduated yet, but you had to have taken a <laughs> class about how deep a knife should go. I don't know. Yeah, it, maybe not though. Maybe is, that's his next semester. And Stacy has been saying for like but, for however many days they've been up there. Stacy has been insisting it's it's something's happening. Like there's something wrong. It's Stacey's inside telling me. Everybody. Everyone's like, Stacy, no. it's okay. Stacy, no, 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 baby, shh, it's okay. Don't uh-huh. worry, it's all gonna be okay. And Stacy finally gets to a point where she's like, it's not fucking okay. Stacy looks if at you Amy. Don't do this. Yes. Yep. Stacy looks at Amy, and there's like a fucking vine crawling around her forehead. And Amy looks at her, and Stacy's like, mm-hmm. "What? Did you see something?" And Amy's like, "No, no, no. It's everywhere. It's in my head." Okay, I'm not okay. I keep saying I'm okay. I'm not okay. Why do you keep saying that to me? <laughs> Fuck it's you, like, Amy. Fuck you. So, Fuck you. There's vines you... crawling out of her body, and you're gonna still gaslight this poor woman. Don't do Fuck. not make Amy. Do not make Stacy feel crazy right now. On top of everything else, you fucking people. And the and this... only merciful thing anybody does up to that point is Jeff being like. All right, surgery time. And he yep. is rooting around inside like three points on her body. And she is like the performance that Laura Ramsey is giving. It's like if you ever dropped a French fry in your car while you're driving and it goes like <laughs> between the seat and the and door and you've got to like fish your hand down. 
That's Jeff's hand inside of Stacy. Inside of Stacy. <laughs> Sorry, but yes, the performance incredible. The performance from and- like the the combination of terror, agony, vulnerability, hopelessness, resignation. The combination of every possible negative fucking human emotion that Laura Ramsey is selling in these scenes where she is excising these vines from her body is incredible. Uh, you're there. You are in it. It is real. Get Stacey this is woman real. an award. Right now. I. It is shocking how, I mean, she's so good and, and you're feeling it. And, and the thing about her friends all like making her feel crazier mm-hmm. in order to quote comfort her. God, mm-hmm. I hate when people do that. I yeah, love this. It, it's the, awful to watch. The plants, the plants are like, you know what we're going to do? Mm-hmm. We're going to make this worse. Mm-hmm. And the plants start imitating Stacy's cries. Yeah. Until they are completely amplified around Stacy, repeating it's surround back sound the sounds of her own that she's making. grief and terror, it, screaming back at her. Horrific. And this I, is this is when Jeff does the cutting for her, and he's like, "I got it all. I got it." And she she's like, "Okay, good," but she knows soon that it's not all gone, and so. Everybody like they've tried to hide the the knife from Stacy at this point because she's liable to do anything. Mm-hmm. But everybody passes out at a certain point, and one of the like the knife is being guarded. But she goes into another backpack and she finds another one. And the way we see Stacy's final experience when like people realize like that everybody in the tent wakes up and realizes Stacy's gone, and they start leaving the tent and they just find her like across the way from them on top of this pyramid. Mm-hmm. rooting around in her body bleeding from everywhere her trying flesh to get peeling off out, peeling off just in flopping her around forehead in chunks falling off her thigh digging around in her torso and she mm-hmm. is almost euphoric at the possibility of them being gone there's like this desperate like i've got it i've got it it's okay okay. I just, I just have to get this one out. Okay. I just have to get this one. You know that if, even if she managed to get every inch of that out of her body, she, she's, even if fucking paramedics showed up at that moment, Stacy's not getting home. Mm-mm, she is Stacey's pouring done. blood. She is carved, self-inflicted. And and Jeff is just like, just give me the knife, just give me the knife, please. And then in her desperation, fucking stabs her boyfriend. Well, before she does, she stabs Jeff. And what I love is yep. she goes, she cuts him, and she goes, "Sorry." Just really fast, like she can't even help it because she can't is tweaking. even help it. I mean. And, and, and this comes hot on the trail of the conversation where it was like, why do you keep saying I'm okay? It's like, well, nobody's saying it now, Stacy. You know? And so that when Eric little, shows up. Oh, I'm sorry, is so meek sorry. and sincere. It is heartbreaking, Sam. She really doesn't want to be doing that, but also she cannot stop herself. That's nope. what you hear in that sorry. And yet mm-hmm. Eric, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. Mr. Handjob himself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he looked at Jeff and he was like, well, she cut Jeff, but I'm going to be yeah. out of this. Yeah, but I'm Eric, so this will be okay. So Eric, uh, Sean Ashmore, who we've discussed at End, I'm sure, in the past, is, I was so attracted <laughs> yeah. to him, had a crush on him doing Animorphs. It's fine. 
All right, so oh, Sean he was Ashmore. Such, he, was, he was a boy de jour of the era, absolutely. He was. He was so aughts. He is so yeah. aughts era hot. If, yeah. Friends, if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Sean Ashmore if you can't visualize it. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, that was what it was to be hot in the aughts. Okay. Yeah. So Eric, Eric, being a complete idiot, steps forward. And Stacy stabs him in the fucking heart. Stabs him in the heart. Just right there. And you know what? Results in what Stacy ends up doing is basically giving the per- giving somebody the most merciful death they're going to have in this entire fucking movie. Yes. And he's confused for a second. And this is another beautiful moment. But then he realizes, hey, I'm about to die. And I don't want to die not holding her hand. And he reaches yep. out for her. And he dies with her. Even and though she just stabbed him. And doesn't Jeff deliver the coup de gras? On Stacy, doesn't he effectively put her out of her misery? Yeah, he does, but not before Amy holds Stacy like she's grossed out. By the way, yeah, oh, Amy, who yeah. Amy's just like, look, God, who's got hand sanitizer? Amy, <laughs> yeah. by the way, plants all around them because because Stacy's begging, kill me. So the plants are like, kill me, kill me, yes, yes. kill me, kill me, kill me. Yes. Kill me. She is. She is explicitly begging, kill me, kill me, kill me. And Stacy and, and Amy's just like, look, I am not equipped for this. I No. I did I did and not And she's also like, right it's polar. gonna she's still saying it's gonna be okay. Oh God, of course she is. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, Jeff, Jeff's gotta do it. Jeff's and gotta think, do it. I think the mercy kill happens far away, right? Like we don't see it or it's yeah, off screen go, or something. Yeah, we go we do a wide shot off a the top shot. of the pyramid and he kills her. And I like that we don't see it. I'm really glad like we don't. I think that I think that is a testament a quiet to how much mercy. this movie understands the violence that it's inflicting because yes. I think that that would have been a bridge too far emotionally. Couldn't agree more, especially after everything after her begging. she'd gone through. Yes. Everything. I mean, it is what a, it, I cannot imagine a more horrific ending than Stacy's, which is why when mm-hmm. Jeff describes a plan to get Amy out that makes sense, I am pissed. Because <laughs> yeah. guess what? Jeff's, Jeff's plan makes sense. It's a yeah, great plan. Yeah, and Jeff's plan is 100%. I'm going to, like, he doesn't tell Amy this, but he knows in his heart, his plan is 100%. He's going to die. He's you know, going it, to sacrifice himself for Amy. That there's, bitch. Amy's like, promise me. Promise me you'll be there when I get back. Oh, my God. Come on, Amy. Fuck off, Amy. Amy's saying that, that for herself. Amy's yeah, like, say, that's for alleviate Amy. my conscience, please, for you yep. sacrificing your good ass self for my flip-flop wearing ass like she mm-hmm. is amy amy listen amy listen listen you lucked your way into a love that you might not have deserved as a lot of people you know people do it yeah, happens people do. jeff's a busy guy he's busy with med school maybe he didn't see mm-hmm. i don't know but here we are and jeff is jeff so jeff carries Amy's bloody body down to the bottom of this temple to show the village Presumably, that, like, what you've covered done. in Stacy's blood. Oh, definitely. That's yeah. Stacy's blood. Yeah. Because Amy, guys, has not yet been wounded. Nope. Amy ha- Amy's not not a scratch on Amy. No. No. <laughs> Amy. I think Amy, maybe her glasses are cracked. That's it. Amy, 
Amy doesn't have a spot on her straw hat. I am. I'm just. <laughs> I just cannot believe he's carrying Amy's bloody body. Like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, look what you've done. But yeah. But I have to say, Jeff's speech. Jeff. Jeff improvs a speech that like they can't yeah. hear because they don't speak English. And yep. I got to say, props to Jeff. He wrote a great speech, a very convincing story that nobody's going to hear. I loved it. Yeah. He didn't do <laughs> like, that for posterity. He just did it to sacrifice himself for Amy. I'm Jeff. Jeff Dean McIntyre. Winneke, Illinois. 22 years old. I was going to be a doctor. That was my dream. He was going to be a doctor. Yeah. He was going <laughs> to give back to this world. And Amy's off to the side playing dead. He's drawing them off, distracting them, pulling them to one side of the clearing so yes. Amy can get up and run and sprint off. And what Jeff is accusing them of is denying him of his American dream. And yep. that I love. It's he incredible. is describing. He is describing the promise that was made to him that they are keeping him from in order to distract so that Amy can fucking bolt for the jungle, right? In her flip-flops. In so, her flip-flops. So when they do, of course, you know, Amy's on the run. These well, people and, here, say- and we, we're, we're now arriving at the crucial distinction between the rated and the unrated well, versions of the movie, correct? Yes, yes. But so off in the distance, we hear a gunshot. Yeah. Guess what? Poor Jeff. Not going to get that dream. <laughs> yeah, he's not He's not going to be there when Amy, quote unquote, gets back. But Amy, surprisingly not as affected as I thought she'd be. <laughs> no. So, so she's taken to the woods. She's got to get out of there. She gets to a Jeep. She fumbles with the keys. She's actually successful in turning them and, and drives her way out of there. And mm-hmm. this is the difference. Yep. Now, if you were in theaters, because I did see it in theaters at first. If you were in theaters, you got an ending did not confirm whether or not the movie was on Amy's side. Because mm-hmm. in this ending, in the rated ending, the theatrical mm-hmm. release ending, Amy gets out unscathed. Yeah. She gets out. We She's just our see hero. Her in a She's our final moment. girl. She's driving off. Boom. Cut to black. And I will say, you know, Carter Smith has spoken to this. And he says they showed the original ending to test audiences. And they said it made them depressed. So... Mm-hmm. So he, and that was the ending in the book. So they had to shoot a different ending, which is where Amy mm-hmm. makes it out. Yeah. Now I can't think of, look, there are a lot of ways for a movie to end dark, but having Amy of all people get out unscathed. Now that's a fucking dark ending. Now that's dark. Right? That's fucking bleak. So if I the future is Amy, that is bleak. Audiences who saw that and were like, fuck this movie. I get it. I mean, it's still a yeah. great movie, but I can see why they felt that way. But you need to look no farther than the unrated yep. ending to understand the the intention of this film. Because, Jordan, what happens in the unrated ending? We get that same look. We're up close on Amy. It's tight. She's the full frame. It's her face. And then we just see, isn't it like in her eye? Uh-huh. We see the squiggle. She has been infected. There she is a plant is a inside her. They, it is inside of her. The thing that the indigenous people were seeking to prevent has taken hold. It has gotten free. It has broken containment. Amy's patient zero. 
And if you look at Amy's actions throughout the course of the film, just all of the self-seeking bullshit, all the stepping back onto the plants to take that first picture, she's the reason yep. all her friends died. And now she's going to be the reason these plants are in the are making it, these killer plants that they have worked so hard to protect everybody from yep. are making it to the outside world. Guess why? It's Amy. It's our it's girl. It's Amy. And I, along these same lines, if you guys saw the, if you guys saw the movie Underwater with Kristen Stewart and you're like, I love that movie. Oh, I love that movie. I don't get why the ending was necessary. You find that unrated ending. You watch that director's cut ending. Change your life. Change your life for the better. Change everybody. your life. The, if, look, there's only one, one tiny, tiny thing I would say that I wish this movie had done because it is 2008. And that is the year of Britney Spears' single, If You Seek Amy. Wow. I mean, can you imagine if that played at the credits? <laughs> I know I'm just living a dream right now, but oh my God. I'm sure. That, that, God, was that, so was that the circus album? Yeah. Can you believe wow. it was that long ago? I, okay. it was called to my attention this week that I graduated from college 15 years ago this very week. So the idea of thinking back to listening to Circus, sitting on my friend Tim's bed in his tiny first New York City apartment, watching the video for Circus and thinking of that album release. No, I I truly cannot believe that it has been that long. I, you know, I always thought that If You Seek Amy was a song about a woman being very rude because they're about to close up the club and she's now she's asking people if they've seen Amy. I used to work at a club. She's really... (laughs) She's doing the most. And I have to say, it might be the Amy from the ruins because that woman I, would keep it Amy open. would do that. Amy yeah. would be that bitch in the club. <laughs> so I, I want to add, I found this out later because I haven't actually seen this deleted scene, but it exists on one of the Blu-rays. Um, oh, like some like fucking German import or something? Yes. Yeah, something Somewhere, somewhere, there yeah. is a version. So um, Carter did say they shot a lot more they shot multiple different kinds of ways to end it because they and they had to test it different ways. And in mm-hmm. one of the endings, there's a little bit more past that moment. So instead, she, you know, you have the close up on her face. She's driving away. You see the squirm in her eye. And then there's a post scene where the, the there's a guy like uh, it's at a cemetery and like the mm, okay. gravekeeper or whatever is like walking by whistling for so it's like, a, like giving us like a full postscript at that point. Oh, fully like this feels like it should be after the credits right okay and so um he's like whistling for Jaka, and then he hears faintly somebody whistling for Jaka back and he gets uh-huh. close to the ground and it's amy's grave and the plants okay. inside her coffin are for jockeying back why i love that is because amy's dead <laughs> oh, God. i love that that means amy's dead yeah i mean closure the closure we needed yeah like she propagated as the unrated ending would tell you like hey guys guess what we're doomed and she died we love knowing claimed by the vines it's just because you know i i would love to see the rest of that ending because you know amy drives out of the jungle first thing she does (laughs) goes to a starbucks yeah she orders her, She's God, getting her this. 30 modifications, half-calf something. Mm-hmm. She's just, you know, because I feel like, I, I, I feel like Amy probably went on with her life almost exactly as it was before. Amy, Amy, Amy silver-lininged this experience because it got her a lot of attention. 
Amy's telling a stranger in line at Whole Foods about the trip she just took. And oh my God, can you believe what she went through? Amy is trying to sell the book rights to this. <gasps> she is trying to work Girl, that talk show circuit. She couldn't sell the book rights. She self-published. She self-published. Amy, Amy self-published what is basically scraps of a diary on yeah. Amazon. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and she used her it. own photography. Oh, God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love, love, love this ending where Amy's in a casket. <laughs> <laughs> in a casket. And the vines, life finds a way. I just, you know, to me, going through this long-ass journey with Amy. Yeah. I mean, it's not actually that long, by the way. Short, moves fast, love this pacing. But Amy, yeah. I, I, I know Amy. I'm not supposed to like her, but by the end of all of it, I kind of, I kind of like her. At the end of it, she prays, <laughs> she almost becomes a queer icon. <laughs> like, yeah, there's like something a, about her, like a, and a camp queer icon or something. Yes, if camp camp there's... doesn't exist, but if it did, it could be Amy from the ruins. It doesn't exist, but if it did, yeah, Amy from the ruins definitely a candidate to be a Met Gala <laughs> theme. <laughs> yeah. So that's I feel like that's the button on the ruins. Is that right there? God, yeah. I I wish, you know, if you if you like this film, Carter mm-hmm. Smith has some other stuff out there. Um I am really looking forward to his movie Swallowed that's coming out soon. Um Okay. It it's it's got uh Mark Patton from uh Nightmare on Elm Street. You don't say. Okay. Yeah, I like that guy. That's so, great news. Love it. I love yeah. him. Um, so, okay. The, that's it. That's season, it. That's all. Season 4 Ottery on March continues on. And um, I feel like we're kind of giving you guys some different stuff this season. Like, I feel like the ruins uh, being a deep cut choice, um, you know, talking talking about sort of anti Tyrion pick at different at, at a different point in the season. So I, I hope we are keeping it sufficiently sufficiently fresh for you all out there. I we have to, right? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Um, I wish we had those plants right now to help us sign off. How cute would that be? Right, yeah. I mean, you're the you're the <laughs> AV wizard. So if you want to work up something, um, yeah, a, a modulation, yeah, <laughs> I will include that in the episode. Fantastic. Um, but um, yeah, a- I think Amy, you're not out there. I know you're not out there because you're in a casket. But if you are, <laughs> you're in a casket. You died. Hope your Starbucks went well. Thank you for letting us go on this journey with you. <laughs> you are a, definitely a maga troll now. So <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.